0: Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with James Watson of Sales Catapult, powered by Sales Acceleration. James, thank you for joining the podcast.
1: Thank you, Eric. Good to be here.
0: James, why don't you give us a bit about uh, your, your company and yourself and how you got into this space?
1: All right, so um, uh, what I do is I'm an outsourced VP of sales, which is kind of like a fractional, part-time uh, sales leader that comes in and works with small to mid-sized businesses um, that are in need of sales help. They can be you know, at varying stages from you know, um, entering into the market as a pure startup to you know, wanting to exit uh, and boost up you know, their revenues um, you know, before they do that. Um, you know, the reason that I really got into this, and it kind of goes back to, uh, back to my parents and the influence they had on me early in my life, uh, my father was a very successful attorney. Uh, my mom uh, was a former real estate agent, but then, you know, became a stay-at-home mom. And I was actually, you know, very shy um, and, you know, kind of avoided uh, social situations with, when I was young with non-family or people that I didn't, didn't know really well. And, you know, both my parents, <clears throat> they recognized that. And while they focused um, always on academics and the importance of that, um, they realized that it would be good for me to get into sports. Uh, you know, to kind of come out of my shell. And little did I know at that time that, you know, what they, you know, set me off on there, you know, would have a big influence on, you know, my, you know, decisions on what I did in life and and some of the ways that I was able to overcome uh, challenges, you know, uh, during that time. So, one of the defining moments really for me, flashing forward to when I was in high school and I was playing uh, football and uh, I was in my junior year and I was competing, you know, for the starting quarterback position on varsity against a guy that had been there for two years, taking, you know, the uh, the team to, um, you know, a championship uh, the prior year. And I was competitive, but, you know, I was, you know, then moved down to JV for a year because I wasn't going to start. And at the time, I was just devastated by it and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was upset by it and uh, somewhat embarrassed by it. And, but then when I, you know, when I got there, um, I realized it was actually a very good cast of, you know, teammates and I decided to embrace it and uh, ended up having a breakout year. Uh, The following year, um, I came in and I was much more competitive and was actually rotating back and forth uh, as a starter for a few games. Coaches couldn't make a decision, so they took it to a locker room vote and I was voted, you know, as the starting quarterback. Um, And then I stayed in that position until end of the year and uh, was able to, you know, uh, beat our crosstown rivals that were undefeated and were uh, heading on their way to uh, a championship. So it was kind of a spoiler moment for them, but it was a uh, you know, great moment for me. And what that did is it really kind of gave me um, you know, a sense of pride and made me realize that all the hard work and you know, overcoming the adversity was, you know, was worth it. Um, one of the things you know, that I really drew on from that Um, that i was able to take forward into my business career was when i you know i've had a 30-year career in in sales was when i transitioned from sales to sales management and i was really able to draw on that um, those experiences i had in the adversity to help people to overcome their adversity and to be successful and frankly that really became my passion and so it was really natural for me in the past year after i had done some consulting gigs and left corporate america Um, to start my own uh, consulting company, where I felt that I could really do it on a larger scale and help a lot more companies out, particularly those that, you know, couldn't afford uh, to, um, you know, to have a a full VP of sales or or a leader of sales. Um, So I've, you know, really learned those lessons and throughout the ups and downs, you know, in my life and, and in business. Um, I've always reflected back on the impact, you know, that my parents had. And to this day, that serves as an inspiration, you know, for what I'm doing right now. It's, that's a fascinating story. And it kind of ties in uh, with the, the theme of
0: our podcast and why I'm, we're talking with you is, is you know, the, the critical nature of, of process or at least a system or framework in terms of growing, particularly early-stage startups, and, and I think you, you highlighted it, right? We're, we're so used to everyone talking about the superstar salesperson, and, uh, but in your football example, you kind of have emphasized, and I like that you've taken it into your career, uh, process or, or, or the, the willingness to like persevere towards something in a structured way is critical, and that's particularly important for early growth stage startups um, and, and it's great to, to, to think about that but you know I think as I kind of alluded to right I think we're so enamored with the, the superstar um, salesperson sales rep. I think a lot of startups think oh if I hire this one individual they'll power my growth and then I'll I, IPO. Um, do you think that startups in general they, they, they make they seem to make a lot of mistakes with sales does it stem from that mentality of I, if I just hire one superstar salesperson, or is it even more than that? Is it is it the process? Is it is it their mentality, or is it all the above? I think I've I've, I've given you a loaded question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very loaded, but um, it, and really, it is a little bit of all of the above, and it can b- vary, you know, by different uh, you know situation. Um, There tends to be, I believe with the startups is usually someone, you know, a man or woman with a great idea. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's a patented idea and it's something that kind of fly off the shelves initially and whether they're funding it themselves or whether they are, uh, you know, getting, you know, VC funding, um, you know, there's a tendency to rely on whatever that product or service is to kind of sell itself. And sometimes the VC even you know buy off on that. Uh, problem with that is that especially if they don't hire a salesperson right away or put a process in place that they can kind of cruise along, you know, for maybe half a year or a year and do well. But then all but then suddenly it starts you know um, plateauing, uh, and you know the the sales aren't quite where where they need to be, and it either puts stress on the individual if they funded themselves, or now they could get some outside stress, um, you know, from the VC. Interesting. I, and I think you
0: emphasize something that's that's super important, I think, with early stage startups. There is that jack of all trades, right? Particularly if they're a founder and they're building that product and they've convinced, particularly a VC, to fund it. Um, and I think we're so enamored, particularly in Silicon Valley, with like the tech bro culture, for lack of a better term, right? Where it's like, a superstar founder, they do everything, they put them together a, a core team. And do you think that um, that culture, that tech bro culture has unfortunately created this misconception that it's the individual versus process when in reality, particularly in sales, but in other aspects, but since sales is your focus, uh, that they should be one in the same, that you know, it's not e- either or, it's an and. In terms of uh, individuals and process,
1: yeah, I, I, I agree with that hundred um, percent. And I think that it tends to lead, lean towards the individual, and the individual is important, but it shouldn't be ninety or hundred percent of what's being done. Um, you know, it, it should be an equal balance, um, you know, right out of the gate. And I think a lot of times it's a, a failure um, uh, or an inability to assess, um, you know, what sales process processes are necessary. Um, to be able to achieve long term objectives, and when I say long term objectives for a startup that's a year or maybe two years
0: let well let me let me probe on that a bit uh, you say long term in terms of one to, or two years for a founder so if you if you know i'm a, a founder of maybe with one or two other individuals, how do I start getting into the mentality of you know I need to start developing processes and I know we're gonna focus specifically on sales, but in my encountering of individuals uh, who found startups, process isn't a thing for them. It's more like they're making it up as they're going along and sometimes justifiably, right? Because they are short runways, et cetera. But how do we kind of switch from that mentality? It's like, oh, I'm gonna give you know, Bob my, my, my sales because I trust him. He was an old, old friend of mine, et cetera, to more like, I need Rob, not only to give power the growth for me, but I also need him to build build the process. Like how do we start building that mentality amongst founders?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a really important question and an experience that I've been through myself having been with startups. So I've witnessed it. um, And then I've also been brought in to startups that are further along when they fail to do that early on. And usually it's a failure to build or implement a solid sales foundation early on. And I think the tendency to do that is just that kind of like a bunch of lemmings, uh, you know, everyone has done it that way. You know, uh, mm-hmm. but when statistics tell you that 90% of, uh, of startups are likely to fail, it doesn't seem like, um, you know, a pattern that, that people should be following. And I think that there's just a tendency initially that, you know, entrepreneurs are expected to and decide to bootstrap it and, you know, do everything themselves and, you know, live like poppers uh, when the reality is there probably should be some more investment made into the sales effort initially in the process.
0: Interesting. Let's turn the other side. So, you know, we focused in this conversation a lot on startup founders, but you've kind of brought up and I've brought up as well, the venture capital, and the investors. Is there anything that those individuals, those investors, those VCs can do to to encourage those startup founders to have that right, behavior or, or start thinking about the, those sales foundations that you've alluded to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, whatever that level of funding is, it could be 500,000 seed. It could be, you know, uh, when, when they you know, get a $5 million round of funding. Um, I believe that the VC, when they're putting that kind of, of money in, it's a matter of where is the money allocated. And I think a lot of the VC, there's some are starting to get it, but a lot of the VC are, are thinking the same way. That the entrepreneurs do, which is more towards the product and service, um, as opposed to uh, really, frankly, insisting on there being a, an equal sales component and process early on. Now, I think that in the past, it's always been cost prohibitive It's been cost prohibitive, but there has been a big move, kind of, to the fractional outsource, not just for sales, but for HR, IT, um, you know, even legal. You name it. Um, And so that's becoming, you know, more and more common and more affordable. So I think it's really just a matter of education um, and then, you know, a a bit of a paradigm shift to be able to embrace that change. But I believe it would make a huge difference. And, And you brought something
0: up there where it that fractional model has been applied not only across, I think famously it's in HR, but it's being applied across all different, let's call them back office functions for startups. So It sounds like there's no reason either a startup founder or a a investor shouldn't insist on having those process available from day one so they can focus on not only building a great product and service that meets the market needs, but having an organization that um, is foundationally ready for growth.
1: Yeah, um, I, I believe that's absolutely true on that side of it. And then on the other side of it, one of the big challenges is always... You know, getting funding, and <laughs> if someone comes in and already has a plan um, and lays it out and says, "I'm, you know, going to be bringing in, you know, this particular individual and this is what they're going to be doing," that's going to instill a lot more confidence into the VC and, and potentially improve how quickly and how much funding the, um, the, you know, the um, owner will be able to get. And I think I
0: should point out that it's not just like, "Oh, hey, I'm going to hire." for instance, yourself, James, to build the sales foundation, it's it's they need to start thinking about it. So if you were to tell startup founders and, and investors what they need to focus on, what are some of the key processes that they should be focusing on and building from from day one, whether it's the being building in their initial pitch deck or as they're dreaming up their their new service or product?
1: Yeah, I think they, they need to uh, embrace the idea that they can get outside help, And then, you know, to get it, have the conversations and then incorporate that into what their business plan is. Because clearly if they're going to get any funding or if they're just going to be funding themselves, they need to be thinking a year out, three years out, five years out. Well, how are they going to get there? And then should they begin with a end in mind and then reverse engineer? What is that going to take? Do they already know what their product or service is going to cost? Do they know how long the sales cycle is going to be? Um, You know, are they going to be able to uh, get a bead on what the close rates are going to be? These are all important metrics that you can't have on an absolute basis unless you've done it before, but you can be aware of it and then make some intelligent presumptions going forward and then keep assessing and benchmarking and, and then building up that empirical data as you go along and then shift your business plan by, you know, by, by staying flexible. I think you
0: bring up a good point there because I've seen enough uh, early stage founder pitch decks where their growth is, they just use the mathematical exponential growth Mm -hmm. formula. I'm like, no, that's not realist. Particularly to your point, there's a dramatic difference between business to consumer and business to business. Business to business has longer sales cycles, and there's a lot more due diligence that's done. And, And I think a lot of startup founders don't necessarily realize that. Um, I think we've talked a lot about the process, but what about when they're hiring, right? Obviously, you know, the start founder is going to be doing it or that small team is going to be doing it initially, but when they're ready, when they're getting those investors, when, you know, they need someone hundred percent dedicated to sales, what are some of the key factors or attributes that should they be looking for in a sales individual?
1: Yeah. So, you know, right out of the gate. Um, if an individual owner, you know, wants to do the sales themselves, they could get an outsourced business development rep, or, you know, go to a third party that will help out with that to kind of boost things until they can get a dedicated rep, but whatever they're going to do, um, they need to evaluate and define the profile of, you know, what type of, you know, person they're going to bring in, um, because they need to hire, right. You want to make that first, first hire the right hire. Uh, and one that you can uh, you know, then build on and say, okay, this is what great looks like. We're going to gonna hire more of this. And I think it's also uh, very important. Uh, two things are really important. One is that they fit into the culture, into the belief mm-hmm. system of that company. Uh, so that they're going to be happy and that the you know, people hiring them are going to be happy. Um, and then uh, number two, you need to be keenly aware of how to incentivize these folks you know to to be able to bring them in and a lot of times the tendency is to go on the cheap but you really get what you pay for when it comes to a seasoned you know sales rep and they're not cheap um and so sometimes that's why you you know bring a business development rep in first but um it is important it's better to spend some of that extra money up front and get the right person because uh, otherwise you know you're, you're you're in a position where you're still having to do a lot of the work or, you know, uh, compensate for, you know, what they're not doing.
0: I think you on you something in, in your statement, about, you know, the attributes for hiring the, the, the first uh, salesperson, which is culture. So, I mean, what else should a startup founder be thinking about when it comes to training and instilling that culture um not, I'm not talking just like the overall culture but specifically with with sales uh because you can't always necessarily hire to your point um multiple experienced sales reps uh, as you're growing right um, beyond that first individual uh, yeah. you may need to the train individuals uh, up concerning that
1: yeah yeah and that, and that goes back to um you know uh, kind of the quandary that I think is is being faced by most startups, which is I can't afford to get that, you know, person. I've got to pay 90, hundred K as a base salary with two times that on target earnings right out of the gate. So I'm going to try to maybe bring someone in that's got talent. Well, who's going to assess that and who's going to bring that talent in? And then more importantly, who's going to train that talent. And then, and it goes back to, well, I can't afford a sales leader and without, you know, too shamelessly plugging, you know, what my industry does that's kind of where the fractional comes in, where someone comes in on a temporary basis, and and can put together a you know a full training program and help onboard, and then you know uh, these types of reps go on go on the ride-alongs, you know, be involved in in uh, week you know really conduct the the weekly meetings and then give the executive team debriefs so that they can collaborate and feel like they're really part of the process, and I, I believe that's critically important. So it can be done. But, you know, typically, unless it's a, a, you know, a startup where, you know, the founder has a lot of sales experience and can do it themselves, they're usually going to be out of their comfort zone uh, and then they're going to need help.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, uh, especially a lot of founders I've met, they're very much exactly to your point. They're into the uh, old, I like to call it the old engineering mentality. Of if they build it, they will come. Right. Um, And and the reality is, it's like, no, I mean, we've seen so many examples in technology uh, where no, you can build the best technologically advanced product, but at the end of the day, it's who has the best um, sales, right? In some respects, or at least marketing or the holistic package, let's call it. Right. Uh, But not to under undermine the importance of sales. Yeah. So James, what I usually like to do is um, I usually give the last word to my guests. So what are some of the things or some of the takeaways that you want our listeners to, to take away from our discussion today?
1: Yeah, well, there's a few things that I think are important um, right out of the gate. Um, and, and I mentioned one of them before, which is start with the end in mind. Where do you want to be You know, by this time, you know, but then by this time frame? And are you looking to exit? You're looking to be doing this, you know, for 20 years. Whatever it is, um, you know, kind of reverse engineering and figuring out or getting help to figure out what kind of people do you need in place, how many will you need in place, uh, what kind of, uh, you know, comp plans, quotas, metrics uh, are going to need to be in place, and how are you going to measure and assess that? Um, and then uh, looking if you do have a sales rep in place uh, you know, take a look at their compensation plan, because if they're not on like something close to a 50, 50, um, the tendency is, is for founders to uh, kind of overpay on the base and then underpay on the back end incentive side. And that doesn't do them any, any favors, um, in the long, long run. Uh, and if they, and then lastly, if they don't have a business development or salesperson in place, they should get one. (laughs) Excellent. James,
0: if if there are founders listening to this podcast, how uh, and they're interested in in you know uh, fractional sales models, uh, I guess what's your contact info?
1: Yeah, so um, my contact info. And first of all, what I uh, you know can do for anyone that comes in contact you know through this podcast is to do uh, you know a free uh, ten point. Written assessment that I send out it takes like a minute to complete, but it actually gives the founder immediate feedback on where they might need help. And then I get a copy of it too. And then we can have a follow-up meeting um, where I'm, you know, just doing doing it as a freebie um, where we do a 10-minute consult, have a conversation. And, you know, I may or may not be right for them right now. And it may be that they need, you know, help with their funding. Or maybe they need help with marketing first. In which case, I will recommend someone in my ecosystem that does that. Um, but if they, you know, uh, it, it'll also give them an idea of you know, maybe they do need someone like me right now, or maybe they they will in the future. But James, this has been a fascinating discussion. I
0: think you've re-emphasized the importance of having, I guess, the understanding of needing the sales foundations right at the beginning. Right, it's not just about building the product or service, but you definitely need a great sales model uh, and foundation or empower that growth that everyone expects from the sales founder to the investor. So I want to thank you for joining the podcast and, um, and uh, have our listeners uh, reach out to you. Thanks a lot, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks, James.